as we continue to do things a little bit differently today, I need a few volunteers. Okay, Zach Van Dam, I think you were, you were the first and most eager. Oh. And I think we're actually, oh, you can't see what's up here. It's a secret. Um, I need a couple other volunteers, though. Claire, would you like to come up? Emily, Hank. Well, now you know what's here. How about I need you all to pretend that there is a magic line from the edge of this step to the leg of that pew and stay on this side. And for now, and you're going to face me, for now, how about Zach, you be in front and everyone else get behind Zach. Do we have any other volunteers? It doesn't ha- Ross, you really look like you want to come up. Okay, all right, you'll, you'll leave it for another day. Any other volunteers? Oh, what, what? Come on down. I have to remember to look up. Well, while they make their way down, we're going to play just a little game here. And, Zach, how about you go to the very middle, and the other girls who are coming down, everyone will stay behind Zach. Now, what we're going to do is, Zach, I've got a whole bunch of stuff here, different than Pastor Audrey's stuff, and I'm going to toss you one item at a time. And but these are all mine. You don't actually get to take them with you. But for every item that you catch, you can hold on to it. But as soon as you drop one item, you lose all of them. Sound good? Make sense? Now, for, every, for now, everyone else, you just get to watch Zach and see how many items he can hold. You can hold them however you want, but you have to be able to catch them. So let's start with a level, because I want to make sure that you're level-headed and balanced. And how about a kickball? How about a basketball? Okay, I'll give you a second. You're okay. Um, do you like to paint? I've got, a, I've got a, a handy pail for painting. Okay, here you go. Uh, I've got um, a baby food container. It's empty. I'm all out. Oh, close, close. Okay, you get one, this is one measure of grace. Hank, you can hold on to that one. Here's a box. Are you having any difficulty holding on to all your stuff? Here comes the box. All right. Everybody needs some duct tape. Nope. You have to receive the items as they are. Okay, here we go. Here comes duct tape. And the Nintendo 64 controller. It's already broken, so don't worry if you drop it. And a gorilla mask. Another baby food container. A Nerf thing. Oh, and there it is. Now, I want you to put all the stuff back in the box. Even you, Hank. Yes, if you could put that one back, too. Nope, that's mine. All this stuff is mine. (laughs) Now, let's try something differently here. Zach, eventually, the more stuff that I gave you, the harder it was for you to hold on to it, right? Until eventually there was too much to hold on to, and you lost all of it. Zach, I want you to catch again, but this time you get to use your friends. For every item that you catch, you can choose to hold on to it yourself or give it to someone else to hold on to. Make sense? So here comes the box. Here comes the level. 
Here comes the handy pail. Basketball. Kickball. Baby food container. Another baby food container, because babies eat a lot. Gorilla mask. I want that back. Gray duct tape. Red duct tape. Nintendo 64 controller. Still broken. Spider-Man thing. Tennis ball. Uh, Tape measure. Baby toy. Ada wants that back. Another thing. Another thing. Uh, Nerf thing. And the clothes basket itself. Good job, everybody. You can put all the stuff... Thank you very much. Now, you can put all the stuff back in here. And if you participated today, don't worry. On Wednesday night, I'll have candy for everyone who helped. So thank you so much. You can head back to your seats. Nice job. What we just witnessed was a practice in stewardship. In the classic biblical definition, the way Jesus talked about a steward, a steward was simply a trusted servant who manages the property in the king's absence or in the absence of a master. Now, what that means for a steward, for each and every one of us to understand stewardship, means that a steward doesn't own the property themselves. The students who came up here didn't get to take anything with them. It was simply lent to them for a time. It was entrusted to their care until they were asked to give it all back. It doesn't belong to the steward, the property. And they don't get to keep it when the king returns. We know this to be true of all of our material possessions. When we consider the line from In Christ Alone, Till he returns or calls me home. When Christ returns or calls us home, our material possessions don't come with us because we don't own them and we don't get to keep the property and the material things when life comes to a close or when Christ returns because we are stewards. We are nothing more and nothing less than trusted servants who manage the king's property in his absence. And as Pastor Audrey already demonstrated for us in the children's message, stewardship is about our talent, our time, and our treasure. It's threefold. But we are only stewards because we don't have ownership of the things that are ours. But we live in a world that tells us that everything we have is ours. Everything about us belongs to us. Whether we worked for it or inherited it, everything is is ours, ours, ours. But stewardship reminds us that all that we have belongs to God. Consider verses like Psalm 24, verse 1. Psalm 24 is the devotional for tomorrow. And the first verse of that psalm is this, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Now I ask you today, are those just nice words on a page? Or do we actually believe that it's God's word? And do we actually believe that those words have something to say about how we live with God and with our neighbor? If the earth is the Lord's and 
everything in it. It means that every second we have on this planet, every talent and gift that God has given us, every cent to our name and material possession, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything belongs to God. We are simply trusted servants who handle these things for a short time until we return. Till we return or Christ calls us home. And I wonder if we actually live and believe, not just paying lip service to stewardship, not just appreciating the poetry of Psalm 24, but if we actually believe and reflect a lifestyle that says this stuff is not ours. It is God's. Psalm 24, verse 1, is more than just nice words on a page. It reminds us that we belong to God. Our stuff belongs to God. Our time on this earth belongs to God. This past Friday, we had June Van Campen's funeral. These flowers were given to the church by the family because she couldn't take anything with her. But she would have wanted us to enjoy the beauty of the flowers one more time for her memory. Everything that we have belongs to God. And so it is in 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning at verse 17, that we have this passage about stewardship, reminding us that everything that we have is going to be given to God because everything that we have is on loan to us. Verse 17, command those who are rich in this present world. And I know there's different ones of us here. There's, there's different levels of earthly wealth that we possess. But all of us here, with clothes on our backs and roofs over our heads, we are considerably wealthy people when we look at the scope of the world. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. There's plenty of examples of wealth being uncertain, and that we're not supposed to put our hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. We can think to the Great Depression, but we can also think of more contemporary examples of a recent recession, or the housing market crash, or people who lose money in the stock market. Wealth is uncertain. You can go to sleep at night and wake up in the morning with less money than you had the day before. But the hope of the steward was never in the property that was loaned to the steward. The hope of the steward was in the master. And that when the master returned, the servants, the stewards, could give a faithful account of their stewardship. Now, I know from the get-go, this almost sounds kind of like well, wait, does this just mean that the Bible teaches us that we have to give away all of our stuff? And sometimes that makes it sound like, well, life's not going to be very enjoyable if we're just going to have to live this ascetic lifestyle. But what does Scripture also say? God provides us in what? With what? In verse 17. Everything for our enjoyment. So even as we remember that none of this stuff belongs to us, none of it we get to take with us, and that we are called to be generous with it. But God still provides everything for our enjoyment. God meant for us to enjoy and be grateful for the material world, for the beauty of flowers, for the taste of good fruit, for crisp vegetables fresh out of the garden, even for that new car smell 
which I think appeals to everyone, but some people don't like it so much. God provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And yet part of our enjoyment, when we really can appreciate the things of life, is when they do not own us. And generosity is the key to this. It's generosity that prevents us from idolatry, from having things, but not having things that own us. I invite you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 9. And as an act of hospitality, I'm putting these passages on the screen, and I'm also not pre-flipping to them. I don't bookmark them, because I've heard before it's not fair when I can flip to them too fast. So if I'm doing it, you can do it with me. So flip earlier in the New Testament to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 9. This is another of the Apostle Paul's teachings on generosity. Beginning at verse 6, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. God loves cheerful giving, not from compulsion, not from manipulation, not from deception, but when we have decided in our hearts what to give, that we give cheerfully because we are generous stewards. In the same way, here at North Holland, it will be generous giving that will put us forward on our building project. We're not going to rob Peter to pay Paul. It requires generosity to make such a project happen. And on November 6th, for Commitment Sunday, Verse 7 will be one of our guiding factors. Each should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. We don't give out of compulsion or out of reluctance, but out of gratitude and out of generosity, the generosity that prevents us from idolatry and helps us to enjoy the life that is truly life. Returning to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18 ties together some of these issues of stewardship being about talent and time and treasure. Because in verse 18, we're told, command them, the people, to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Now you notice when Zach, by, and it's not your fault because I told you what to do. When Zach was holding on to everything for himself, He could only hold on to so much stuff before it all came tumbling down. But being generous, being willing to share, allowed everything, every single blessing in the basket, from tape measures to Nintendo 64 controllers to a gorilla mask that I used to wear at camp to scare children. (laughs) Older, Older kids who, you know, could handle it. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds to be generous and willing to share. 
Being generous is a theme throughout teachings on Scripture, on money. There's the regular tithes and offerings which are required, but then there is this invitation, this encouragement for generosity. And generosity reminds us that we are stewards of our talent, of our time, and of our treasure. Because every second that we have on this earth, every ability and gift that we have, every treasure and earthly possession and material sent to our name belongs to God. And we are simply to be stewards of it. Now, one thing that happens in stewardship when we think about talent, time, and treasure is a false dichotomy. Sometimes we think, you know what? I give lots of time to the church. I give all kinds of time to the church. Therefore, I don't need to give treasure. I don't need to tithe because I, always, I already do so much. I give time, not treasure. Or on the other hand, sometimes we think, I give faithfully and regularly. I tithe. I give generously. I don't need to give of my time. I've given my treasure. My time is my own and precious to me. Time and talent and treasure are a package deal of stewardship that we receive and therefore generously give. And for us as Christians to live as if what Psalm 24 verse 1 says is true, that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, that we view our lives, all of our talent, time, and treasure in terms of generous stewardship. And this happens here. And I pray we continue to grow into it. We give of our treasure. Our mission giving is exceptional. We get every year, we got it again this year, we received a mission award from our denomination for both the gross dollar amount and the percentage of our budget that goes to mission. Above and beyond operating expenses of the church, we give to mission. We send people with time and talent to go places. There is a long list from Camp Warwick that was sent to us of all of the things that was accomplished by North Holland because time and talent was given. Time and talent and treasure go together under the category of stewardship. If we're willing to give one but not the other, we might be thinking that what we have belongs to us in one category and not remembering that it all belongs to God. Now, there are exceptions to where sometimes it's not possible to give one of these things. But my friends, let us make those the exceptions and not the rule. Not the rule that we pick one or one and a half to give, but that we are stewards in generous proportions. Why? Because cheerful giving and generosity and willingness to share, for one, is simply what is commanded of us. And this, as the epistle tells us, is how we take hold of the life that is truly life. When we possess all that we have as God's gift to us. Now, there's a danger in talking about stewardship. And this danger is best articulated by Jeff Monroe from Western Theological Seminary. Jeff Monroe has some pushback against our contemporary use of the word stewardship or steward because we don't think about it in terms of the servant who is entrusted with the master's property. Often in the church, we use the word stewardship as a synonym or as an excuse to be stingy, to not be generous. This is the opposite 
of biblical stewardship that encourages a willingness to share, cheerful giving, and generosity. But sometimes we say, you know what? I don't think we need to give money to that. It's good stewardship not to. And often we can use that as an excuse to not be generous. When we use stewardship as an excuse to be stingy, we have missed the point of the word and the practice and the very concept of what it is to be a steward. Now, there is also wisdom in being shrewd, and we are called to that. The Building Action Team on Friday toured the Compassionate Heart facility. For one, for an eye towards the accessibility. For two, we heard from the Red Hat ladies, they can tell you about it, that it's a beautiful facility. And one of the things that caught our eye was the price of their building per square footage was lower than our conceptual plan. And so practices in stewardship continue, that we want to count the cost and to do so carefully and to do so wisely and shrewdly, but not at the expense of sacrificing what we need, not at the expense of ministry space or spaces that we can use to reach out to others and to bless our community and our world. Stewardship does not become stinginess. It becomes wisdom about when to spend and when not to. But it is meant to be generous. Generous stewardship is the true heading because stewardship was never meant to make us stingy. We save money, but even the money that we save does not belong to us. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, Verses 6 through 10 is another passage about money. 17 through 19 and 6 through 10 are both about wealth and riches. And the Apostle Paul writes this to his young friend, this pastor, up-and-coming pastor Timothy. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. The pursuit of money can lead us down dangerous roads if it's money that we love and not the master, our God, who lends the money to us to steward while we are here on this earth. And there's a contentment. If we have food and drink and clothing, we will be content with that. All that we have is God's. We came into this world with nothing. We will leave this world with nothing. But now, once again, there's a balance. Because... We are still able to be grateful for the things that we have. We're still able to enjoy the stuff of life. God didn't say that stewardship meant that you should never have any fun. Rather, one of my favorite commentators, John Stott, who I would love to meet. He's dead, but someday I look forward to meeting him. And in talking about both passages in 1 Timothy 6 that have to deal with money, Stott says it like this. Looking over both the paragraphs about money, the apostles' balanced wisdom becomes apparent. Against materialism, an obsession with material possessions, he sets simplicity of lifestyle. 
against asceticism, which is the refusal of the material order, the repudiation of things, he sets gratitude for God's creation. Against coveting the lust for more possessions, he sets contentment with what we have. And against selfishness, the accumulation of goods for ourselves, he sets generosity in imitation of God. Simplicity, gratitude, contentment, and generosity constitute a healthy quadrilateral of Christian living. Leave it to John Stott to refer to a healthy quadrilateral of Christian living. But against materialism, the loving of stuff, or asceticism, the rejecting of everything, we have simplicity and gratitude. Against coveting what our neighbor has, we learn to be content with what we have. And against the selfish hoarding of our possessions, we learn generosity. These are the marks of a healthy view of our stewardship of all that we have. Generous stewardship reminds us that we give generously, but we also are blessed with all that we need for our enjoyment. God provides us with everything for our enjoyment. We can't take it with us. There's nothing you can take with you. But we can choose what to leave behind and how we leave it behind. I wonder, no, in fact, I know. It's because we had June Van Campen's funeral this week that this is on my mind. Those who have gone before us gave generously to a facility that we could very easily take for granted if we forget to be grateful. But from the 1946 rebuild to the 1975 addition to the 1979-1980 flip, or 1989-1990 flip of the church, there were those who went ahead of us and were generous. And some of the people involved in those projects are still living and still seated here today. But there are so many who gave generously of their talent, of their time, and of their treasure, who have been called home and are no longer with us. But they knew they couldn't take anything with them. And they chose what to leave behind and how to leave it behind. Now, I know I'm young. I'm younger than a few of you out here. But even as Caitlin and I consider what will we commit to give to this project, I realize that even as a young person, the gift that I give to the project now the vision for ministry will be here long after even I am dead and buried. To me, there is no greater point of stewardship than realizing that our gifts go beyond us. We choose what to leave behind in the knowledge that we can't take it with us. Our talent, our time, and our treasure, all that we have, all that we are, is to be generously wielded. And what is the greatest example of generosity? The greatest example of generosity is Jesus Christ who gave his life upon the cross for us because Christ came and gave everything for us. Christ knew and believed that it was true what Psalm 24 verse 1 says. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Does everything you have belong to the Lord? 
And do we have a mindset and a vision for ministry that reminds us that all who live in the world belong to God and that they are meant to be reached out to, to be brought in, that they may join us at this table to know who Jesus is, to join us at the table of the Lord's Supper. Generous stewardship. Shrewd and wise, but not stingy or selfish. Generous stewardship is how the church lives into its vision, and generous stewardship is how we protect ourselves against idolatry and the love of things. And generous stewardship is how we pass on to future generations gifts, gifts that are meant to be enjoyed, gifts that can be enjoyed with simplicity, gratitude, contentment, and generosity. We know that if we have faith and that if our vision is correct, God will provide. And our part to take up in that is generous stewardship. What can't you take with that you can choose how to leave behind? In the name of our generous God, amen. Let's pray. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you showed the ultimate generosity in dying upon the cross for our sins. You gave your life as a ransom for many that we may be made right with God. Lord, you showed us generosity in how you gave of your talent, your time, and your treasure. You gave us good things to be enjoyed, to be celebrated from delicious, coo- delicious food to new cars, to warm houses. All of these things you have given us to be enjoyed. May we remember that we are to be stewards of all that we have and all that we are. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. At this time, we get to practice our stewardship, our regular practice of giving our tithes, giving a tenth of what we have back to God. So the deacons will come forward and collect our morning's tithes and offerings. We also invite you to sign and pass the fellowship pads at the end of your row. Deacons, please come.